Welcome to the election ranked choice episode of Alaska's Political Pipeline. I'm David Bernkoff, co-hosting with the wonderful Rebecca Palsha. How are you? Doing great. It's been a big day. Big day. And just to let everyone know, this is Alaska's news source political podcast. And we're going to be looking at all issues, election-related and then governing-related as we move on and eventually getting into the state legislative session, which begins in a couple of months. But right now, you just came from a very (laughs) happy party, didn't you? I just left Congresswoman Mary Peltola's party. Um, She walked in the room about 4.50 – and the crowd erupted when she, as soon as she came in, she said, let's keep this energy up. We got 10 more minutes until those results come in. Uh, but the crowd, I mean, she, it was almost impossible for her not to win at this point, although nothing is impossible. But very happy crowd over at 49th State Brewing for her pre-Thanksgiving party. Did she have any political message tonight or was it just thanking everybody? No, she definitely pivoted pretty quickly to uh, what she hopes to accomplish. She talked about this year, Thanksgiving in particular, is supposed to cost 20% more than last year. And that, you know, inflation's always been a big deal. And she, uh, she, she talked about how in Alaska, the total probably is 25% more instead of 20% more. And just kind of working on inflation as soon as she gets to D.C. and that being one of her big topics. Well, she um, has a lot to be thankful for (laughs) going into the ranked choice voting. She had built up such a lead that it would have taken an overwhelming success for the rank the red effort. They did succeed. They did better than they did in Mm -hmm. the special election. I think Sarah Palin got about two-thirds of Nick Begich's votes. But her problem was she needed over 90%. That's just so hard to overcome that. Impossible. And the other thing is that so many people choose not to make a second choice. Mm -hmm. And that was across the board in the governor's race, in the Senate race. There's roughly 15, 20, 25%, depending upon the race, of people who don't make a second choice. So if you have to catch up tens of thousands of votes and you're already lopping off 20% of the possible votes, the numbers just become pretty much impossible. And they were for the Republicans, and it ends up a pretty easy victory for the Democrat. First time in a long time. uh, First time since in 49 years for the state. I don't think the Democrats in Washington thought they were going to win a special election (laughs) and a general election. Uh, But now... Mary Peltola goes to Washington again. She's been there for a very, very brief period of time in a short session after her victory. And I think she will be a real curiosity to the Washington political media because she's not going to be like any other Democrat in that Democratic caucus. No. Alaska Democrats are different Democrats. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's, you know, there's a uh, Texas Democrat, Henry Cuellar, who's kind of conservative on some issues, liberal on others. I think that's probably where she fits. And it's also the uniqueness of having a Democrat in Alaska. And it's her uh, Alaska Native heritage. And it's that she's a woman. And there's never been a female congressperson from Alaska. Mm-hmm. She's She checks a lot of unique boxes. She definitely does. Let's talk about the Senate race a little. Again, closer 
going into ranked voting, but then Murkowski wins pulling away. And you and I have both been watching these national programs where Shabaka has been on those really uh, touting her, you know, problems with ranked choice and, and, and pulling that it's, you know, not doing well and should be done away with and kind of hinting that it's nefarious. Um, but we haven't heard, I haven't heard from her today. No, I, she did a radio interview that I listened to a couple of days ago, and she was still suggesting without directly saying that, you know, the machines might be uh, not accurate. The Dominion The machines. Dominion machines she mentioned <laughs> by name. I, I don't even know if they are Dominion machines. I'll assume that she's not making that up. But she didn't say directly mm -mm. that the machines were going to take away the election from her. But it's going to be hard for her to argue. She was behind by a couple of thousand votes after the first round. And she got most of Buzz Kelly's votes, mm -hmm. who was the fourth ranked person. But then Patricia Chesborough's 29,000 voters, they overwhelmingly picked Murkowski, I think 20,000 to 2,000, something like that. So Murkowski picks up almost 20,000 votes there. And that's all that was more than she needed. And the um, ranked choice voting is just fascinating because if you think about it, you know, I was Jason Grin with Alaskans for Better Elections. They're the group that pushed through ranked choice voting or were the campaign for it. And he was saying on Twitter tonight uh, that this is exactly what the goal was, was that people wouldn't vote for party. They would pick person, people. So clearly it's it's fascinating to think that some people who voted for Mike Dunleavy are the same people who could have voted for Peltola, which is the goal is to get away from parties and move into more uh, people-centric so that, they, you know, Grin talks about this is their hope that the incumbent or whoever is the one in office is less beholden to the party and can do whatever they want for the people of their district. And we're working on a story just in case anybody thought that the elections were really <laughs> yeah. over and that election season was over. We are going to disabuse you of that notion <laughs> next week <laughs> because – there is a movement, and we will do a story on it next week, to get a ballot measure uh, on the ballot at the next election to get rid of ranked choice voting. <laughs> and the reasons – what were the reasons given? Uh, there were the, several. There were several reasons. One was that ranked choice voting made the, the uh, people running for office meaner and angrier. Um, the person we spoke with said that nobody liked ranked choice voting, which it, it's hard to believe that everybody hated it. Um, and, and then there was also that they say that this is purely local and that the ranked choice voting was a big effort from people outside. And there will be a lot of money spent trying to get enough signatures because it's expensive, enough signatures to get it on the ballot. And then we'll be voting on this again. And I didn't know till I looked it up. The ranked choice vote, was it four years ago, two years ago? Mm -hmm. It was super close. It was, it was like 2% yeah. part. Yeah. I mean, so it's not a guarantee that it would survive another go round. Who knows? Yeah. Probably be close again. And it'll be expensive. We t with Alaskans for Better Elections, they said that getting that to be successful cost $7 million, you know, and that's having to hire people to get a message out, to have people to get people to sign ballots. You know, it's just, it's a lot of work. It's all over the state. And the group, I think they're called 
Alaskans for honest elections. It's hard to keep track right. of these groups because they try to sound <laughs> so pleasant uh -huh. and so much like each other in some way. Uh, they said they're starting to raise money and they will raise money from around the country and bring in staffers from around the country and try to nationalize this. And in particular, staffers from the Heritage Foundation. Right. So it's not over, folks. It's never over. <laughs> But you are going to disabuse me of something now. Okay. That I was wondering, and everyone's told me I'm wrong, and you're going to explain why I'm wrong. <laughs> I was wondering, given the results here of a Democratic congressperson, a Republican governor, and a very independent-minded Republican senator, and looking at the state House and state legislature, which are kind of even, Republicans have a slight advantage, is Alaska becoming a purple state? <laughs> but you point out it's not about the politics making it purple. It's all about the individuals and the people running. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because every time, almost it's almost a guarantee, every single time we have an election, the Washington Post or the New York Times or some national outlet will talk about how, is this the year that Alaska goes purple? And that is not, it's a resource state. It's more, it just traditionally leans more to conservative, but it is all about, and this election shows it, it is all about person and the campaigns being that Mary Poltola, a Democrat, and Lisa Murkowski and and Dunleavy all won this election. So that just speaks to the uh, less, again, less into parties and more about people. So what you're saying is I'm exactly like all those know-nothing <laughs> national people who come in here and try to ex figure out and explain what's going on to Alaskans. And the answer is it's none of your business. <laughs> That sounds very Alaskan. <laughs> that I have learned here. It, that is definitely the way they look at people, politicians <laughs> from the rest of the country. Stay where you are. It's none of your business. Um, we're going to be joined now by somebody who we had on an earlier podcast who turns out uh, was more spot on in her analysis of not only Alaska, which we asked her to do, but also the whole country. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Alyssa Choi from Australia. I assume you're still in Sydney? Yes, I am. Okay. And uh, we're bringing you back because we asked you to look at our Senate and House race here, and you did, and you picked some key issues, and you made predictions. And I think now that we have the final results, you should Take a bow before our Alaska listeners because you were right on both Senator Murkowski winning and Mary Peltola winning. How did you do it? Well, we do it as with all elections. It's what the data says. We analyze the issues that mattered and we assess the emotional content because emotions drive behavior and particularly in voting. And the issues and the candidates all assessed together to make a, an assessment of where voters will fall. And I'm glad to say that Alaska is correct. I had no doubt in those two, actually. It was an easier call compared to the other Senate races we looked at. And what's interesting, that also was borne out because when you counted just the first round votes, uh, Kelly Shabaka and Murkowski were separated by only about 1,500 to 2,000 votes. It was very close. It was only when you got into the ranked choice, the Democrat who had 10%, Many, many of her voters picked Murkowski, and that puts her over. In the other race, Peltola led Sarah Palin by 60,000 votes out of 
you know, 270,000 votes cast. It was a huge, huge lead for her. And that doesn't surprise you. No, it doesn't. Peltola had a very beautiful story in the data. So um, unlike all the other uh, candidates you just mentioned, Mary Peltola had a story around her um, her native background, what she's done in the past, in the recent um, few months since she's been elected. Um, she's, there's a story around her family. There's a story around the stuff that she cares for. She has very strong views that were um, coming through in her campaigning. Whereas the other senator, other Senate race candidates, they, they had stories mired by the sort of dirty campaign tactics, the infighting. So it wasn't so much about the person. It was it was more about the election. So Paul Toll was no surprise that she was well ahead of Palin. It's not just the Alaska election that you got right, and our listeners don't know this because we didn't discuss it on the podcast, but you also did a national view and you predicted, unlike a lot of pollsters, the Democrats would gain in the Senate and would do better than expected in the House and elsewhere. Again, what did you see in the data that made you see correctly what was going to happen and made so many of these big, expensive polls miss it? (laughs) Ultimately, the data source is different. So in a poll, you're asking a sample of people questions and relying on them to tell you the truth and then extrapolating that across a wider population. We have a completely different view. We look at the data from the internet based on what people are engaging, reading, sharing, commenting online. So then we can hone in on what are the top issues that are going to swing voters and we specifically measure the emotional content and the intensity. So it's the emotions of issues that will drive voter behaviour. And when you can see that very clearly in the data, and we do that with advanced analytics, um, artificial intelligence, it's very clear what the issues are, and then you rate them against each of the different candidates. And this is essentially sentiment analysis on steroids, and there isn't any bias because we don't actually have to ask a person a single question. It's all on the internet. So thank you, Alyssa, from Australia. And uh, I, I'm telling you, people need to pay attention to her because she has figured out how to uh, understand the so- social media postings, which are apparently people are more honest there <laughs> than they are to pollsters these days. It's fascinating. And that's it for this quickie election podcast. I don't even, can't even call it an election podcast since it's weeks after, but <laughs> we'll call it the Ranked Choice Election there you go. Edition. And as always, please share your thoughts with us. We do enjoy hearing from you. You can reach us through our emails at work, uh, which you can find, uh, I guess, on our website. Or probably the best way is to tweet at us or call us up. They'll find us at the switchboard. <laughs> available we're available we like knowing that someone's listening so thanks thank you